So if you have your Bibles, please open them up to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. So this is not going to be a lengthy Bible study today. Some of you guys are probably going, praise God. (laughs) So we're going to go through a little bit here in Romans 10. We do have communion after. Uh, For those that are staying for the outreach, we also have a bunch of the unexpected cheddar chicken sausages. Awesome stuff. Those are going to be cooked up right after service is over. And then we're going to start the outreach like right away. I love that too. So then it it kills the excuses someone I'd have of, I don't have time to do outreach because <laughs> we're just going right on the sidewalk here <laughs> as you leave or ah, I don't want to go far. <laughs> Killing two birds with one stone, so to speak. So we'll be right here, right? Praise God for that. So keep us all in prayer. Stand if you will though with me. We're going to start reading from verse one. We're in Romans chapter 10. And a study today I'm simply calling Confess and Believe. Romans chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, Help us, Lord, to understand your word. We know that it's a great thing, a good thing to have a a great zeal for you. But, Lord, we need proper biblical knowledge. And we praise you and thank you for your holy word that is given to us, that you have faithfully kept throughout all these centuries. Even as you say, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Oh, we praise you and thank you for your integrity and how of all the billions of books and texts and articles and things that are written, even today, there'll be billions and billions of pieces of information. There's only one word that stands, and that's yours. Stood the test of time and will forevermore. We thank you for that. And we ask, Father, can you please open up our understanding of your holy word? We're just mere humans. Father, we need your anointing. Uh, Anoint even myself for this time, Lord, that my mere words can be anointed by you. Lord, forgive me for I make many mistakes, but I know your word contains no errors, Lord. We ask that you would open up our understanding. Help us, Lord. Give us more faith that we can believe and receive your word. And that even today, we can each be preachers of your word of truth. Even testing these things out today. Help us to understand what your word says. And how even we can be a fisher of men. We can catch people for Christ. Help us, for we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. You guys could have a seat if you would, please. So today, Jews and many others around the world still, like it says here in chapter 10, quote, have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So it's important, as we open up here, it's important that we do have a zeal for God, a, a zealousness, a passion, some might say, for God. Amen? It's extremely important. But what's more important is that you and I would have a zeal for God applied with proper knowledge. Amen? There's a lot of people today, even if you look at many other religions, who would even say that they have the same God, 
who have a big zeal. Some of them are the door knockers. You know, they come to your house, maybe not knocking, maybe ringing. Shh, be quiet. If they don't think I'm here, they're going to go. <laughs> you know, I know it's them. They always come in pairs. There's two of them. So sometimes Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, others, they have a great zeal for God, but bad knowledge. That's not good. What's more important than just having a zeal for God is having a zeal for God applied with proper knowledge, proper biblical knowledge. Amen. That's what we want to shoot for. And I'm going to share this here on the slide. Think about this. Even as we look at this verse, as we start to kick off into this chapter that we call Romans chapter 10, having a zeal for God applied with wrong knowledge is bad. Having a zeal for God applied with wrong knowledge is bad. Mwimah. Very bad. But having a zeal for God applied with proper knowledge is ideal. Amen? Having a zeal for God applied with proper knowledge is ideal. Thus the need for in-depth Bible study and teaching. And that we would teach God's Word within context so we don't misquote God taking Him out of context. Amen? But we would know what He has said throughout the totality of Scripture and certainly as we study books. This is why we're methodically, strategically going through this book that we call Romans. 16 chapters, so we're in chapter 10 here. So having a zeal for God but applied with wrong knowledge is bad. Ladies and gentlemen, this is how cults are formed. Where a person or a group of people could have a zeal for God, be very zealous, but not have proper biblical knowledge. And that's how cults start and proliferate. They're around her, they abound. But having a zeal for God applied with proper knowledge is, of many ways we could say it, is ideal. That you would simply read God's word like we do as we, we call inductive Bible study. It's called OIA. Observe, interpret, apply. And in that order, we simply read God's word, observe what he says, rightly divide the word of truth or interpret it correctly within his context. And if there's an application, apply it. It's kind of simple. That's the way that God's word is designed to be read, applied, preached. Amen. Simple. So this is why we must be committed to the faithful teaching of the entire Bible and learn God's word within its context. Amen? We must learn God's word within its context. We don't want to just cherry pick verses. One verse from this book, one verse from that book, another one from that book. You put it together, that's how many cults are created. If you don't think so, many of them start with the basis of the Bible, but without having correct interpretation, they take it and they go off. There's a group out here who, from the Jews, they would hold someone as Messiah. It's not Yeshua. <laughs> and they're still around, although their leader, their rabbi, died. They still want to follow a false Messiah. And they have the scriptures. There's many Christian or Christian-esque kind of cults. They do a similar thing. By not having God's word interpreted correctly within its context, if you go and apply it, but you don't have a correct interpretation, it leads to a bad application. Make sense? Amen? So that's important. Many Jews today, though, they still, even as Paul wrote this in Romans 10, they still have a zeal for God 
but not according to knowledge. I'm going to share something here. I blacked out this guy's face. This is sadly the case here. Uh, anybody here of phylacteries? Okay. Uh, if you're Jewish, <laughs> you grew up, you've heard about it. Uh, I live in Williamsburg, South Williamsburg. You see a lot of Hasidic Jewish men. What they'll do, not all, but many of them, they are going to wear these things called phylacteries. I have it here on the display. Tefillin. So a phylactery is a small leather box. It contains Torah verses, typically four Torah verses. Deuteronomy 6, verse 8. Deuteronomy 11, verse 18. Exodus 13, verse 9. Exodus 13, verse 16. So the phylacteries, they put it on their forehead or really where the hair meets the the forehead. So I guess as you got receding hairline, maybe it keeps going. <laughs> but it's there. And also on your non-dominant arm. I'm right-handed, so it would be on your left side. And the box angles towards your heart. And they would wrap up their arm, their hand, up to the middle finger. Like in the picture here. So it's, a remor- it's worn as a reminder of God and that they must obey God's word. They're trying to take it literally where God tells them to bind up his word. But yet, sadly, not following God's word. So we can have a zeal for God, but without proper knowledge, sadly, these are some of the things that can happen. We're not making fun here. What I'm doing is I want to illustrate for you what can happen. We're talking about something that was written almost 2,000 years ago with this book called Romans, Romans 10, verse 2, where the Jews have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. You and I could see a great illustration of that, can't we, in the greater New York area. And this used to be me. Now, I'm not saying that I wore phylacteries, but I could be very zealous for God. And all of a sudden, you come to part the pages of Scripture and you realize, oh, you're bringing me some new knowledge. What I used to believe in was actually bad teaching. Some of it could be flat-out heresy. Has that been anybody before? Am I the only one? <laughs> okay. We come to God's Word every day. You come with Him with a humble heart, with a uh, open mind and heart that he would change your understanding or else how are we going to learn anything new from God, right? So we need to do that. Here's what Jesus said about the Pharisees of his time. This is up here in the red. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. So when you see a picture like this, you can see how perhaps Jesus is speaking of, yeah, hey, I want to make this thing huge. Why? So it sticks out so that I Look holy. Make sense? And all of us can be guilty of that, not just the, the Jews, Orthodox Jews today. That's from Matthew 23, verse 5. And many of them are simply trying to do good works, thinking that they're going to earn some kind of favor with God. And I've been guilty of that. Anybody else been guilty of that? We all can be, right? If we're not careful and check our heart and our understanding and our motive... We want to do things through Christ, through Messiah Jesus, because he's the one through him and him crucified for our sins that we need to do everything through. Amen. So Isaiah wrote, if we're going to try to do good works to try to earn favor, earn some type of right standing, earn some type of righteousness with God, here's what it says in Isaiah 64, verse six. But we are all like an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses, righteous, righteousnesses are like filthy rags. And when you go in the original Hebrew language, he, 
the Hebrew shows of filthy rags, this speaks of, let's say, let's call it for what it is, used women's menstrual garments. That is not something you would collect up, is it? You're just like, oh, get rid of that. Okay, It's unclean. So God is telling us through Isaiah 64, if we want to do a work of righteousness to attain some kind of right standing with God, and today, if it's not done through Yeshua, Jesus, Messiah, all of our righteousnesses, it's like filthy rags, used menstrual garments. In other words, to the Jew, oh, unclean. Don't bring that near. This is what God sees. This is the way he depicts our good works, so to speak. Again, Isaiah 64. Let's come back to the text in Romans chapter 10. Again, that the Jews were, remember Romans 9, 10, 11, the big topic is who or what? Israel. Okay. Now we're going to get into some doctrines that help teach you and I about salvation and how even today, as we do outreach and evangelism, how these things can apply. But the bigger picture, the meta theme, is that it's about Israel. Verse 3, let's continue on. For they, still speaking of Jews or Israel, they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So any person today that tries to, quote, establish their own righteousness apart from Jesus Christ, sadly will be found unrighteous in God's eyes. That's important to know. So whether it's someone that's trying to wear phylacteries, or it could be someone trying to do penance, someone trying to do a good work, because, uh uh-oh, Papi in heaven's upset at me. He's going to be the holy papaws. And I want to get into heaven. I want to do more good than bad. That's trying to attain or maintain your own righteousness with God. Is that going to work? No. It's going to be like filthy rags before God. In God's eyes, that person is still found unrighteous. Unrighteous. Unholy. So Christ fulfilled the law and died as our sacrificial Remedy, if you will, our, our Savior, our sacrificial Savior for our sins. The law's righteous requirements for you and I have ended. Through who? Through Jesus. Jesus Messiah. So this is why Jesus said, as he hung on the cross, it is what? Finished. Oh, that sounds nice. It is what? Finished. That's what your Messiah, Jesus, said. It is finished when he died on the cross. For verse 4, even as it says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. We just have to believe him. He's not a liar. That's what he said on the, cl- on the cross. When he fulfilled all the, the law's righteous requirements to pay for your sins so you don't have to die and burn in hell and then at the end of time get thrown in the lake of fire, and on top of that, you get even more grace. You get to be with him throughout eternity in heaven. The grace of God. It makes no sense, does it? Why would you get that? Because you're a good person? No, you're a sinner. And the only good person, Jesus, died on the cross for your sins. He took your place. It was a substitutionary atonement. He substituted you. Just 
like the guy that was supposed to go to a cross. You remember his name? And Jesus took his place. Who was that? Barabbas. Barabbas. Literally his name, Bar, son, Abba, son of a father. It was the son of the heavenly father that took his cross. Wonderful picture. You and I are like Barabbas. And Jesus took our place. Why? Is there anything special in us? No. Only one special was him. Amen? He took your place. He substituted you. Because you deserve to die, he took your place. Why? Because of his grace, his love, his mercy. Everything emanated from him through Christ to you. You and I just have to believe and receive. Verse 4 Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. This is a simple truth for born-again, spirit-filled Christians like us. But yet, these are things that you and I need to have for our lives, but also preach and share with others, whether it's zealous Jews or even zealous Gentiles. Everybody's got a God. Even the person that says they are not a believer in God. They're atheists. Guess who their God is? Self. Self-worship. Everybody has a God. Everybody worships someone or something. Let's continue on. Verse 5. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall what? Live by them. That's crazy. (laughs) But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will send into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. So this is from Leviticus 18 verse 5 where God says in Torah, You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. So guess what? If a person tries to keep the law to be righteous in God's eyes, they have to not just keep one law, one commandment, guess how many? 613. And the problem is it's game over from birth. Why? Because we're sinners born as sinners into a fallen world. And all sinners do. We talked about this early on in this study in Romans. Our our initial identity was a sinner. What do sinners do? They sin! This is why you can't blame your kids, right? Who told you how to steal? Who told you how to lie? Was it dad or mom? (laughs) It was Adam and Eve because of sin, which came from Satan. So if a person is going to try to keep the commands of the law to gain a righteousness with God, according to what we just read, which is a quote from the Old Testament, they're going to try to keep righteousness. They have to what? Live by them. Oh, no, that's bad news. Anybody realize that's bad news? That's bad news. You want to live according to 613 commandments? Or believe and receive through the one that fulfilled those commandments. His name's Yeshua, the Messiah, the one who attained righteousness for you and I. And by simply believing, confessing him, we'll look at it in a, a little bit, and believing, confess with your mouth, believing in your heart that he did it for you. He attained righteousness for you. He maintains your righteousness. You don't work for salvation. You don't have to do the work, so to speak, for your sanctification, your day by day living with God it's through Jesus Christ it's the time of grace 
this is the time where because through Jesus Christ, God did the work and you come to God the Father through Him and now you're righteous, not because of who you are, but because of who Jesus is. And now He sees you as holy, complete in Christ. Because how does the Father see you if you are in Christ and He sees you through Christ first? How does the Father see the Son? Holy, righteous, pure. And you're probably sitting there like I do. It's like, but I'm not holy, righteous, pure, complete, etc. Exactly. In Christ, you are. That's where you and I must abide in Him. Amen? And His finished work as He died for your sins on the cross. So if we try to gain a righteousness with God, good luck. In fact, you're going to need more than luck. Because it ain't going to happen. Because you're going to have to live by them. You cannot. This is why I love studying Torah and especially studying Leviticus chapter 16. If you're going to study one chapter in Torah about attaining and maintaining righteousness to counter against the Jews or anybody today that wants to be holy in God's eyes, study Leviticus 16. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. I love studying that and going in depth and sharing that with you guys. Day of Atonement. Why? It's the holiest day on the Jewish calendar every year. So you guys know, living here in New York City, if you have a Jewish boss, will they be even really bad backslidden Jews? Will they work on that day? No. Even the school system, right? Kids are probably like, yeah, another holiday. What is it? I don't know. We just, this Jewish thing. They don't care many people today. A lot of them don't know. A lot of them don't know. So you and I need to study that chapter. Why? Because you see how all of God's people through the high priest had their sins atoned for. And who's that a picture pointing to? Jesus, Messiah, your great high priest. Think about that. So when you study that chapter, you realize, I cannot do that. Why? I need a temple. So if I'm talking to a Jew, Mr. Jew, Mrs. Jew, you try to keep the commands. Oh yes, we live by Torah. Sure you do. Let's talk about Yom Kippur. That's when I studied in depth. I'd be like, I fiend for it when I came. I'm like, Lord, send me to Jewish people. Oh, you called me to this. And he doesn't do that. He more equipped me than I would equip others. Because the Jews don't have an answer how they're going to get rid of their sins. That's why we must study the law of laws, so to speak. The Sabbath of Sabbaths. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Leviticus chapter 16. You can study the other 612 ones or you know all of them, but I want to point you to that. Why? Because the Jew or the person that says they're going to live according to Torah, they're lying to you and they know it. Because if they truly study Torah, they have a lot, dozens of problems. One of them, they don't have a priesthood because they're commanded. God doesn't say in Leviticus 16, if you have a priesthood, send them into the temple. No, they're commanded. There's no loopholes in the law. And they're, they're also told they have to have a high priest who's going to go in, who's going to go do it. The women couldn't go. And us men, you'd have to be pure. You'd have to be of what tribe? Of Levi. And what family within the tribe of Levi? Aaron. And you'd have to not just be a priest within Aaron's family. You'd have to be the high priest. Three ones on that day. One man, the high priest, went into one place. What do we call that place? The Holy of Holies. On that one day, Yom Kippur. So the Jews are lying to you. They know it. I'm not calling them a liar. God is. 
So Christ, verse 4, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. The righteousness according to the law cannot do it. You'd have to live by it. And when they try to live by it, they can't. And the one law or chapter I love studying about the law is the commandments that shows that all of them are sinning. It's really sad, but it's Leviticus 16, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. So it's impossible today when you consider the Yom Kippur laws. You cannot live these things out. You can't. So either I try to attain righteousness through Torah, but it's impossible because there is no temple, there is no high priest, there is no possible way to do this, or I attain righteousness through who? Oh, come on. Through Jesus, the Christ. Verse 4, Christ is the end of the law. You guys know it. You got that. So only one way to get to heaven? Oh, come on. That's so narrow. Oh, come on. That's narrow-minded. Only one way. So Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him, through Him. Paul also wrote about this in Galatians 3, verse 10, where it says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. So you got a righteousness that's going to be trying to attain righteousness through the law. Ain't going to happen. You have a righteousness that's by faith. That's through who? Through Jesus. This is what he's bringing these Old Testament, what you and I call Old Testament. It wasn't, the New Testament wasn't written then. He was one of the authors behind it. And Paul's writing this. He's trying to bring this out. It's already been there in your scriptures is what he's arguing here, so to speak, with the Jews. It's there in the Hebrew scriptures. So Jesus died on the cross. He fulfilled Torah's righteous requirements for all the Jews and all the Gentiles. Okay, so let's continue on verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. This is quoted from Deuteronomy 30. So Jesus died on the cross And he fulfilled Torah's righteous requirements for not just Jews, but also for who? For Gentiles, for us, people like me and you. So now salvation through Jesus Messiah is possible to all, whether Jews or Gentiles. But it's a righteousness that's not by Torah, not by law. It's a righteousness by what? Faith. Okay, And this is what we're going to get at here. So how does a person need to be? Confess and believe. Let's read verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, what does it say? You will be saved. And this is a great one. We quote this many times. But when we study this, of what he's getting at, once he gets to chapter 10, we see more and more doctrine dealing with this. Boom! God hasn't left Israel Boom, over and over. Paul's heart is for Israel that they may be saved, but they're trying to get a righteousness that's by Torah, by law, and yet it's not by faith. And it's so near, it's so simple. And what do you need to do? Romans 10, verse 9, if you confess with your mouth, 
the Lord Jesus. I'm going to bring this up here on the slides. This word for confess is the Greek word homologeo. It's a compound word made up of two words. Homo, the same. Logos or logeo. It means a word or a speech. The word confess literally means to speak the same as God. And by the time we get to chapter 10, this totally makes sense contextually because we already went through, say, chapter 3. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. So he's proven this throughout these chapters. So God's telling us throughout the entirety of the Bible that we're born sinners. And all sinners do is what? Sin. Okay, and so all you got to do is compare against the Ten Commandments or even the 613 commandments in Torah, and you realize, I break every 600, all of them, all 613 of them. Who else feels like that? We all do, right? So we have to speak the same as God. God is not going to change his mind. He's not a man that he will change his mind. He says it. This is why we must believe in God's word and teach and preach it. It's a battle for the Bible now. And there's many churches and denominations that are trying to take away the Bible. It's like, what? They're doing Satan's will. Because God wants you and I to know what he says so that we can confess. We come into agreement with what he already said and we're saying the same thing. That's the word confess. If we homologeo, confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's First John 1, verse 9. The same word, homologeo. We're saying the same thing, but if we don't know what God has said, if we don't read our Bibles, are you going to know? No. Are you going to confess then? No. You see the logical conclusion? Satan already knows the end game. So what does he want to do? Take away the Bible from you. So if you don't know what the Bible says, you don't know what God has said, and there's no confession because you can't come into agreement with what he says. Does that make sense? That's really how simple it is, Drew. It's kind of how simple it is. So literally that word confess means to speak the same as God. So we must know what he has said so I can say, you're right. I'm confessing to you that you're right. I'm wrong. I've always been wrong, but I'm so pig-headed and stubborn that I was holding on to this with my sin of pride for decades or years or a month, whatever it is. Has it been any of you? Where you try to pray, I'm going to fast and pray, and God, you're going to change your mind. And he doesn't. Why? Because he's God. And you're not God. And he's not a man that he should change his mind. So he doesn't change his mind. He's waiting for who to change their mind? Waiting for you. And is he going to wait 10 more years if he's been waiting 10 years? Yes. Is he going to change his mind? Is he going to change the whole Bible just for you? No. Think about that. He's waiting for you and I to come into alignment, into agreement with his word, but I got to get off of my self-worship path. Does that make sense? And this is that word confess. I speak the same as God. God has already said it. Ladies and gentlemen, lift up your Bibles, would you? The word of God. This is your sword. Whether it's digital or physical. This is the this is the word of God, isn't it? It's what God has said. And I need to read it and know it and preach it, live it out, so that I can come into agreement with what he said. And as you come into agreement, this is a daily thing. God, you're right, I'm wrong, forgive me. You know what that, that is? That's biblical confession. 
I'm speaking the same as God. But if I don't know what he said, then I can't come into agreement. I can't speak the same as God. This, this is why one of the many reasons why we must be a church that teaches through the entire Bible without man-made doctrine. Amen? We need to know. So that's that word confess. Literally, to speak the same as God. This word believe, you can look this up in the dictionary definition. By the way, when I put quotes around that, that lets you know, lets me know, that back in my notes I can go in and Bible dictionaries, this is where I pull these synonyms from. The word believe means to have faith or to think to be true. Oh, come on, I already knew that. Yeah, but I wanted to look that up (laughs) and just tell you what it says. It literally is to have faith. So what is it saying in verse 9? Look at this again now. Let's break this down a little better. And let's turn the question on for you. Verse 9, if you confess with your mouth, if you're speaking the same, homo legeo, I'm speaking the same as God. Do you, where are you at? Do you confess? Do you speak the same as God? Do you speak it with your mouth? You're confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Not just this guy named Jesus, but that he's Lord. Do you confess that he's Lord? This is what it says, isn't it? Is that word there in your Bible? It is, right? I confess you, Jesus, that you are Lord. And I want to confess with my mouth. And I need to believe, to have faith, to think to be true in my heart. Believe in your heart. What does it say? That God has raised him from the dead. Is the resurrection of Jesus Christ important? Yes. Is it a must believe in? Yes, it is. If I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God is raised from the dead, what does it say in promise here? You will be saved. So notice that salvation is not by doing the works of Torah. Salvation is by confessing with the mouth, speaking the same, homologeo, speaking the same as God, confessing the Lord Jesus, who Paul already taught for nine full chapters on, right? And what about this Jesus? We can only attain righteousness through him. It's the biblical Jesus, not the Mormon Jesus, not somebody else's Jesus, not even your Jesus if you had the wrong Jesus, the Jesus of God's word. This Jesus who took your place and died for your sins on the cross and rose from the dead. So salvation is not by doing because it's already been done. Amen? It's already been done by Jesus. Salvation is not by doing good works to make you or anybody righteous, salvation is done through Jesus Christ who did all the work as he died on the cross for your sins. Amen? That's how you and I become righteous before the Father. Salvation has been simply paid for and done by Jesus. So we're going to close here in a little bit. And Susan, can we, can you come up? Can we get ready to do another song to close at the end? Okay. So how is it, before we partake of communion, how is it that salvation is done? We must simply confess and believe. Again, Romans 10 verse 9 as we wind down to close, then we'll partake of communion after we do a little more worship and then we'll set up for doing the outreach. Romans 10 verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We must simply confess and believe. 
And so if anybody here wants to do that, maybe God's tugging on your heart and you want to come forward. And I don't care if you've done that before or if you've done that here publicly before, even in this fellowship. You want to do that now today. We're going to give you that invitation. Well, I, I, I thought it's God that calls. Yes, but we're even looking at Romans chapter 10. Isn't it interesting how God teaches also about man's responsibility? It doesn't say God's going to force you to confess, does it? It doesn't. So you need to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, as it says here, that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. Think about that. It doesn't just say with your mind. Anybody here know that you could have something set in your mind and just like that, you can change your mind in five seconds. Anybody else like that? But isn't it very different with your heart? Couples know this. That's why, oh, do you love me? Are you saying that from your heart? So if it's attached to your emotions, very different. Right? Believe in your heart. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. Again, this is a chapter that speaks greatly about Israel. But we're also being taught here about salvation also of the Gentile, the Greek, as it says here. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I'm going to close with a word of prayer to close out our time and then we can do more worship and then partake of communion. But if anybody wants prayer, maybe it's prayer for salvation that you want to confess with your heart or confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart. You want prayer for that. That you know that when you die, you're not going to burn in hell, but that he's going to take you to be with him in heaven, so to speak. And then we want to pray for you, whether that's one or some. Or if you've done this before and you want prayer again, that's fine. Or if you want to recommit your heart and life to the Lord, that's fine as well. I'm just going to close us with prayer. We'll partake of worship. And if that's you and you want prayer, I'm simply going to ask you to, to come forward. Uh, we're all going to stand. Can we stand for now, please? I'm going to ask you to come forward if you want prayer and just stand up here. If you want prayer for something else, you can come up too. And I simply want to be able to pray for you. Let's go ahead and pray and then we'll partake of more worship. So Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this time. And we ask, Lord God, that you help us to understand your holy word. We thank you, Lord, for what you teach us throughout this book that we call Romans. How salvation is so simple. We don't have to live according to the works that we might do that you tell us in Torah. That's not how we get saved. It's only through the shed blood of Jesus, your Son, our Messiah, our Savior, who died on the cross, was buried, rose from the grave according to the Scriptures. We believe that, Lord. We want to confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that you raised him from the dead. So continue to have your way through us, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.